Hey folks, Ryan Kennedy here. Welcome back to the show. Today, I have a great episode for you on a topic I've been getting more and more questions on from my students, my patients, and just people in my community, which is nootropics, right? Everyone is interested in improving brain function and taking their mental performance, their productivity to the next level. So trying different safe and well-studied compounds to do just that is of interest to, to pretty much anyone. And so today's episode, I'm interviewing two experts in the field of nootropics who founded an awesome company called Formula, whose products I've been you know, tinkering around with the last few weeks and absolutely loving. So this company kind of started as just a simple service to friends. You know, Dan, one of the chief scientists at the company, uh, he originally used nootropics to go from a high school dropout to holding two master's degrees and just takes a really data-driven approach to become an expert in nootropics by his early 30s. And you know, a lot of people in his life took notice and they started asking him, like, dude, give me some advice here. Like, I want to get on that level. So uh, word spread quickly and they've grown an awesome company. And so uh, just a little bit about Dan, Dan Freed. He studied cognitive science and public health at Yale. He's an avid biohacker and has experimented with everything from iboga, which is an African hallucinogenic plant medicine, to Vipassana, which is a 10-day you know, silent meditation retreat. Uh, so Dan, welcome to the show, man. Thanks. Happy to be here. And we also have with us his co-founder of the company Formula, which is Adam Greenfield, uh, who spent the last 12 years leading sales and growth teams across professional sports and startups. He's also been immersed in biohacking and, you know, specifically loves CrossFit, you know, ketogenic diet, fasting, meditation, all that type of good stuff. So, uh, Adam, thank you for being here as well, man. It is a pleasure, my brother. I'm pumped to be here. So just to kick things off, fellas, uh, for people listening in, who may not even be familiar with the word nootropic, you know, what's a high level definition, you know, kind of giving people an understanding of what is a nootropic? So the basics of it is a nootropic is something that will have a noticeable, measurable impact on cognition, whether that's, you know, energy levels, ability to focus, creativity, um, what differentiates a nootropic from vitamins or, or, many other supplements is that you should notice the effects. You should be able to measure them and you don't need a blood test to do it. Got it. And now a lot of people are familiar with uh, like smart drugs, like pharmaceuticals that enhance brain function, like Adderall, Ritalin, you know, a couple others that are commonly on the market. So I've heard the differentiation that nootropics have a net positive benefit to your health long-term and smart drugs are kind of you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul, as the, as the saying goes. I've also heard people say nootropics are natural compounds, you know, herbs and, and nutrients uh, and smart drugs are synthetic. So could you clear up some of that confusion and those semantics um, or if there is a, a scientific difference? Yeah, so it, it, it's less defined and a lot of people have their own opinions on it. Um, as far as the natural versus man-made, um, there are nootropics, uh, I consider nootropics to be what it does to the body, not how it's derived. And for example, like caffeine, they have natural caffeine, they have man-made caffeine. It's the same molecule, it does the same thing to your body. It shouldn't be different based off of how it's, uh, it's created. Um, as far as smart drugs, um, I don't have anything against um, Adderall or methylphenidate or Vyvanse. Um, I do think that in some cases, doctors over-prescribe them or are too quick.
quick to go to one of those solutions when they could be trying other things first. Um, so for me, you know, and I, I'm not a physician. I have zero judgment against people who take these things, um, but I'll give you kind of like my subjective opinion and my, my experience with it. Um, so I was diagnosed uh, with ADHD as a child and they wanted to put me on medication. Uh, my parents did not want that. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know whether that was a good decision or not. I ended up failing out of high school, not that long after. Um, and it was because, you know, I had so much difficulty with attention and focus that I just couldn't function or even think about excelling in that type of rigorous academic environment of, of like the American educational system. Um, later on in life, I did try medication. Um, it just wasn't for me. And th this is the whole thing. Like, I don't judge people that take it. Um, in my line of work, I've met a lot of people that take it. I, I can't think of anybody that I've met that's been taking it for a significant period of time daily that's happy with it. Um, and that was just kind of like a thing where I was like, wow, you know, I know people that take it occasionally that are happy with it, but any, anybody who uses a stronger amphetamine um, daily for a significant period of time, most of them, it's like, you know, I have to do it to function, but I really don't like it. And I wish there was an alternative. Um, and as far as like, you know, the broader thing when, when you introduce us, um, I've tried just about everything. And, you know, for me, it, it's rare that I'll take a stronger stimulant like that. It's almost always because you know, either I'm jet lagged or I haven't slept, something else is going on and I need it to kind of like function. Um, if it worked for me personally, I would take it much more often. And I just, you know, I'm talking about like maybe once once a month, once every couple of months on an as needed basis is, is really all that, that I ever use. Interesting. Yeah. So I've tinkered with a lot of these more pharmaceutical based ones as well. And I personally, again, talking personally, they make me feel like freaking Superman, man. Like my brain and my body is just on a whole, it's like the movie Limitless. It's just, things are unleashed, but I do experience, you know, some of the deleterious effects in terms of the crash, poor sleep quality, you know, issues with, you know, your cardiovascular health and other things, because you are taking what's you know, an amphetamine. So it's a really intense drug, especially to put a child on. And I talk with parents in my practice all the time about this because uh, I don't prescribe anything. I don't deal with any of that stuff in the in the medical field. But uh, it just seems like, you know, a lot of it comes back to trying to force a kid to study things they have zero interest in. You know, that's what a lot of it is really originated around this misdiagnosis of ADD. But if you give the kid a video game, they're going to be laser focused for hours on end because they have a fascination with it. And I found the same thing where I struggled through school and just kind of had to, you know, get through it the best I could. But as soon as I found an area of interest that I was really passionate about, for me, it's health and wellness. Man, I was up for hours on end without any issues with focus. Whereas prior to that, you could have absolutely categorized me as having uh, ADD and when it came to other subjects. So I think that's another component to all this that people need to be aware of. And also diet, you know, you start feeding kids a bunch of sugar and a bunch of crap, they're going to be bouncing off the walls. Like it's just human physiology. You got to feed them right in order to have stable energy, stable mental focus and brain function. Uh, so I think there's a lot of other variables at play. And I like that you shared 
it shouldn't be the first line of defense, right? It should definitely be more of a last resort if needed. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting to hear you, you say you don't think there's a lot of downsides long term uh, with those things, because I've always used them extremely sparingly, like similar to you, once every month, once every few months, uh, just having something if I have a crazy day or if I'm jet lagged or have, you know, too many things to get done in too little time, I'll, I'll kind of pull it out of the arsenal. But almost never, just because I was under the impression these things were really, really harmful to the body, uh, things like Adderall and Modafinil and, and others. It depends on how often you take them, what your dosage is. So like Adderall is, um, Adderall is technically neurotoxic. Uh, methylphenidate is a reuptake inhibitor. It's not neurotoxic, but it still increases things like delta phosphate and can have uh, epigenetic changes if used in a significant amount daily um, for, for any long period of time. Um, again, like, I don't judge people who take them. And if, if, it, if it is a good solution for somebody and it's working well, then I encourage them to, to, to take it, to do what their doctor says. I just found that it wasn't for me. Um, and one of the things like that you mentioned is just that it makes you feel really good. It's like having a superpower. And I can completely relate to that. But what was eye-opening to me is when I actually look at what my output was, so like when I was using it to enhance my performance, I would take it and I would feel amazing. And sometimes I would crush my to-do list, but like sometimes I would just end up reading Wikipedia obsessively. And when I looked at like, you know, when I take it, when you count what work I actually produce and, you know, the handicap I have of the crash that's going to come later, whether it's the next day or that night, I wasn't actually moving anything further. It's like on balance, I was actually producing less than, than something else. And, and, you know, to compare that to nootropics, when I look at just like, how do I feel? What's my output when I'm taking nootropics versus not? My output goes up. Yeah. Uh, and that was like a huge eye-opening thing for me when I discovered that. And I've experienced the same thing is it'll make you focus but you have to still, you're still responsible for what you're focusing on. You know, I've taken some of these things and, and nootropics as well for me personally. And if I don't have a set to-do list, I'm not in my, you know, structured environment with, you know, very clear agenda. I'll spend four hours cleaning the house and organizing the yard before I knew even knew 40 minutes went by because I'm so laser focused on that. And I'll be like, dude, I totally wasted this, this time that I could have been getting so many other things done in my business and in my work. Uh, so you definitely have to still take responsibility and prepare the surroundings and your intentions going into any of these things in order to get the most out of them. Because I've had, you know, friends and stuff who were like back in the day in college, they're like, yeah, I took some Adderall at the library and had this, this all this studying to do. And I ended up spending six hours organizing my iTunes library, you know, <laughs> like it's, it could totally backfire in that regard. Um, so I'm, I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, and, and just to get into a little more of uh, your guys' backstory and how you got into this. So, Dan, you shared high school dropout, kind of went through the pharmaceutical route. Uh, what kind of took you down the rabbit hole of exploring some of these other nootropics like racetams and others uh, as a much better alternative? So for me, I, um, after I dropped out of high school, I went and I worked in fast food. And that was... Uh, very demoralizing experience. I did it for a couple of years and it was just kind of, I didn't have many options. I, I knew that I could do more 
I just didn't know how because I couldn't do homework. I couldn't pass tests. It was, it was a really difficult period. And then I got my first big break when I became a chef. Um, and like you said, when you find something that's really interesting to you and that requires a different type of focus, I was able to excel. Um, and as a chef, I traveled around the world uh, for about 10 years, cooking in all different types of restaurants, cruise ships. I was fortunate enough to work in a Michelin three-star restaurant in France. Um, and then in my late 20s, I realized that the hospitality industry wasn't for me. And I had very little exposure to nootropics. I mean, I did things like energy drinks. Uh, I, as a chef, I would work really long hours. Um, so anything that I could take to kind of like increase my output, I would do. Um, but when I, when I decided to, to do a career switch, um, I tried to get back into school. And one of the, one of the things I needed to do to get into the, the school that I wanted was to take the GMAT. And I don't know, are you, are you familiar with the GMAT and the testing process? Yep. Um, so you, you went through the MCAT, I'm assuming, right? Uh, no, not MCAT, because I didn't go to medical school, like traditional medical school. Uh, I went more of a natural approach, so it's an alternative program, different scenario, but same kind of thing, you know, you can continue on the story. Yeah, so I I had no idea what I was getting myself into, and I, I basically bought a book, um, you know, how to study for the GMAT, started taking practice tests, and I did horrible. Like, I couldn't even finish the test. I was scoring, I couldn't break the 50th percentile. My goal was to get to the 80th percentile. That's what I needed to get into, like, a decent school. And, you know, in desperation, like, this was my dream, and I wanted... I knew that I had to give it everything. Um, and I tried everything in desperation. I tried different types of meditation. I tried um, workout routines, fasting, dieting, anything that I could think of to improve my focus. And that was when I did this deep dive into nootropics. And they were, it was kind of like fringe back then. This is maybe seven, eight years ago. I was like way deep into Reddit and all these different forums. Um, and I ordered uh, a bunch of nootropics off the internet and started trying them. And I was really lucky that pretty early on, I found some ingredients that worked and it was almost like a light switch. You know, I would go from, and I remember this feeling like I would read a page three times and then not understand what it said and be like, oh shit, what the fuck am I doing? And, and I, I just, I wanted to put my head through the wall. And that's what my studying would be like. I would force myself to do that. I would sit there, I would try to do it, and then I would give up after like half an hour. And then with nootropics, it was a completely different experience. Like I read the page once, I'm like, cool, I got it. I started applying it. I wouldn't get stuck. I wouldn't feel that type of frustration. And, you know, before I knew it, my scores started going. I could make it through a practice test. You know, I'm scoring 70th, 80th, 90th percentile. Uh, and when I did take the GMAT, I scored in the 99th percentile, which is like off the charts. And I had never even dreamed that I could do something like that. Um, and that, that score changed my life. You know, I still remember you get the score instantly. It's, it's on a computer and you're in this testing center. And um, I, I still didn't know how I did 
um, I went through like the math section and I, I got, I went so fast that I had 10 minutes left after I finished the test and everybody else is like going away. And I'm like, Holy shit, I must've really fucked up if, I, if I'm sitting here and I hit the submit button and it came back and I saw my score and I was like, Holy shit, what the fuck just happened? Uh, and my life changed. I got into one of the best MBA programs in the world. Um, it's a amazing school called INSEAD uh, with campuses in Singapore and France. And, you know, before I knew it, I'm, I'm going to classes. I didn't even know what McKinsey was. I didn't know what consulting was. I had never met an investment banker. And I'm like in a group with these incredibly intelligent, highly successful people. Um, and I leveraged, I continued to leverage the benefits of nootropics to excel there. Uh, and that, that was such an incredible experience. Yeah, what a great story. And, and Adam, how'd you get into this coming from more of a sales marketing perspective? You know, what got you into nootropics? Yeah, most of my life I struggled with attention, but I never was diagnosed with ADHD. Um, it just always, you know, I remember from when I was really young, it just always took me more time to do stuff. Right? Like a project would, that would take me 10 hours would take everybody else two hours to do. Um, and it was, you know, just my plight in life. And luckily, you know, I was raised in like by like two very gritty parents. Um, and so I was willing to do the extra work and spend the extra time. Um, but it all came to a head uh, maybe like six years ago. I was the head of operations at a startup here in New York. Um, and I was failing miserably. I had way too much on my plate. I had like this 50 item to do list that never seemed to get any shorter. Um, I was handing in projects late. I was not handing in projects at all. Um, and I remember it causing an incredible amount of rift between me and, and my boss at the time, a guy who I'd really looked up to uh, and he had been a mentor of mine for years. And my complete and total failure in this operations role um, was like completely heartbreaking because it was like this friend who I was like letting down. Um, and it was no longer, it was like more than just like, hey, you're not doing great at work. It was like this person like really loves and trusts you. And like something is so wrong with your brain and you just can't deliver what it is that they hired you to do. So I, I called a buddy um, and I was just in complete desperation. I was like, please come and tell me what I'm doing wrong. I'm willing to do anything. And I remember he came in and spent a day with us. Um, and at the end of the day, we sat um, and had a glass of wine and he goes, strategically, I don't think you're doing anything wrong. The problem is you can't focus on any one thing for very long. Uh, I remember him saying like, it feels like you chase this shiny object around the office. Um, he's like, someone says something and you completely leave the task you were on. Um, and he asked, Has I, have I ever taken nootropics before? Before then, really the only exposure that I'd had to cognitive enhancers was like Adderall in college and the movie Limitless. Um, both of which were not, you know, ideal scenarios. We can talk about 
uh, you know, the movie and, and what it does for the nootropics industry uh, at a later time. Um, but I really trusted this guy and I, and I, and I tried it and I got really lucky um, in that the stars aligned and it happened to be that those, that that combination, that stack that he gave me worked really well with my, with my neurochemistry. Um, and honestly, that day, everything changed. It felt, it felt like I had like horse blinders on. Yeah. Whatever was directly in front of me. And I was just so compelled by how, what a difference it made and how fast and easy it was. Um, a couple months later, I ended up quitting that job to start nootropics companies. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah, I can relate. I mean, I think it's the case for a lot of entrepreneurs where it's hard to just stay focused on one thing because you have these big visions and, and you think about all these different ideas and, you know, you have four different business ideas and you can't just focus on execution on the micro day to day for just one thing. And I fall into this many times throughout my journey. And I think that's really valuable to share how nootropics just helped you stay on track and kind of keep that even keel. Um, so kind of switching gears into some of the more practical stuff that I know a lot of my listeners and myself included are, are curious about, uh, and this may be more directed towards you, Dan, when it comes to taking nootropics, um, you know, is it best to kind of mix up your stacks, assuming that, for example, uh, I find that almost every nootropic I tried works well for me to some degree, you know, it's a spectrum, but they all provide noticeable benefits, whether we're talking about aniracetam or Nupept, you know, or a bunch of others. Uh, is it better to stay with the same stack daily, uh, you know, assuming you take a couple of days off per week, like on the weekends for a prolonged period of time, if it's working for you, or is it almost better to cycle them and kind of do one this day, one the next day and mix and match? It really depends. So there, most of most nootropics have short-term and long-term benefits. Um, something like Nupept, if you were to take it daily, uh, it will increase your BDNF, uh, which has a lot of positive benefits, but that can take a while to, to feel and notice those, those benefits. Um, and then there's immediate effects that you're going to get from taking any of those stronger nootropics. What I do um, is all to usually rotate between a couple of them. So, you know, if I, if I don't sleep well at night, I'll, you know, and I, I have this deficit, um, I'll take something stronger like a phenylparacetam, um, which will wake me up. It gets rid of any cognitive deficit due to sleep deprivation. Um, if I know that, you know, I'm going to be locked in a room and I just want to focus and get into flow state, um, I'll take something like Nupept because it works really well for me. Um, if I know that I'm doing a podcast or going to do any type of public speaking, something where verbal fluency and, and kind of like social skills are really important, I'll take something like Aniracetam. Um, and I rotate, like, I know what each one of those compounds is going to do to me. So depending on what's in front of me and how I feel at the moment, I'll decide what to take. And what, what we do at Formula is we really like to empower our clients to discover that. So, you know, we don't just sell one type of nootropic. Everyone who joins, they get four different uh, formulas that they can try in their first month. And it's really a discovery phase where it's like, hey, this, this one works great for energy. This one isn't a good fit for my brain chemistry. And once you're educated and you kind of know how that feels, 
then you can you can use it responsibly. Makes total sense. And you mentioned that some of these nootropic compounds have long-term benefits. So I'm curious to get your take on using them five days a week or six days a week for years on end. Is there any clinical research or any data to demonstrate, you know, the safety of long-term use? Because I've personally always used nootropics, you know, sparingly because like anything that makes you perform and feel great, you know, there's a likelihood for dependency to some degree. So my, my fear, and I think a lot of people can relate to this is that I take nootropics five days a week or six days a week for, you know, six months. And then for whatever reason I say, Hey, I'm going to take a break from the nootropics and I can't focus. I almost am worse off than when I started. Is that the case or is it kind of the opposite where you're going to be better off than when you started? I'd love to hear you speak on that. Uh, So again, it's hard to talk broadly about nootropics. Uh, in those terms, there are some nootropics that you should not take every day. Those are like phenylparacetam, um, something like that. It doesn't build a dependency, but it will become less effective over time. There are other effect, uh, other nootropics where you can take them every day and they'll have benefits even after you stop. So like I mentioned, Nupeps, uh, that increase in BDNF will promote neurogenesis which can have a lasting positive benefit. And there's a lot of research into that that we have posted on our website. Um, For me personally, I've taken nootropics daily for, you know, more than five years now, and I haven't seen any negative effects. Um, They're properly cycled, they're properly dosed and used responsibly. Uh, I have something that I almost always stick to Um, where I take one day off per week. And that's not necessarily for safety. I just kind of like having that grounded effect of saying like, what's my baseline? Let me like really feel what that's like um, so that I can notice, I I appreciate the subjective effects of the nootropics more. And I almost look at it as kind of like a really grounding um, practice. Uh, so I've kept that for, for, you know, more than five years now where I take one day off a week, even if I'm working, um, but that has nothing to do with safety. Now, during those five years, have you done any experiments where you cycled off all nootropics for, let's say two or three weeks, just to see how you run at that baseline now that you're completely off and they're kind of out of your system entirely? Yes. Um, I've done it, um, completely off everything a couple of times. Uh, so one of the things that I do, um, you know, maybe like a once a year or twice a year type thing is ayahuasca. And so before and after a ceremony, uh, I try to get like a two week buffer where I just stop taking everything. Um, and so that's one of the like cleansing things that I do. Um, I do regular, we do fasts. So Adam and I will do fasts. Sometimes we allow nootropics, sometimes it's strict, no nootropics at all. Um, and then I also do tons of experiments um, and I like to eliminate confounding factors. So every once in a while I'll be like, Hey, I'm going to try this for a month and I don't want anything else to mess around with the effects because I'm tracking my results. Um, and then I'll, I'll stop taking nootropics. Got it. Got it. And I'm curious, um, you know, on this topic, one thing I found for myself is that when I'm using nootropics, I get virtually zero downsides, zero crash, zero, you know, come down if I'm re-upping on choline at least twice a day for me personally. And I know you guys 
knowing a lot of this stuff, put, you know, alpha GPC, which is a form of choline in your stacks, you know, having that as part of the formula so that you can, you know, replenish some of that acetylcholine in the brain that may be kind of depleted after a, a day of nootropics. Um, do you find that's typically the case where even if you have it in the stack and you take it in the morning, people really benefit like my, my own personal anecdote of taking more choline at one or 2 PM, even if you don't take any more nootropics. Yeah. I mean, it, choline, it's always good to have it, it. Acetylcholine is incredibly important neurotransmitter. Nootropics can tax the acetylcholine neurotransmitter system. Having that choline, um, inc- it basically, it allows you to not just like mitigate any possible negative side effects, um, but to really make the most out of the nootropics. I will say that, you know, it's kind of personal how much choline you need. Some people don't need it at all. Like they don't need to supplement it even when they take race tams. Some people need a lot. It's, it's kind of like an adjustment that you need to make. It sounds like you taking it twice a day has been beneficial. For some people, if you take too much of a choline source, um, it can cause a depressed mood. Um, so that's, that's like an area, most people don't go there, but when you're dealing with anything like alpha-GPC or acetylcholine, where it is easy for it to pass the blood-brain barrier, that's one thing you need to be aware of. Um, yeah, that's really good to know. And I, I personally, uh, you know, I use some of your products that have the alpha-GPC or acetylcholine. I really prefer a food source of choline. So in the afternoon, I'll add some uh, non-GMO lecithin, which is one of my favorite sources of phospho- phospholipids like phosphatidylcholine, phosphatidylserine uh, into a smoothie or, you know, even in just, you know, my meal, like a sprinkling on some salad or something. Uh, and I find that works fantastic. You know, and egg yolks being another common food source of choline. So I usually get it through those sources. So I'm not getting, you know, a ton of this very concentrated absorbable form per se. Uh, Anything you want to share on that? Is that something you've found helpful as well? Or do you really like those more targeted forms of choline? I mean, so my belief, and this goes back to kind of what you're saying about, you know, synthetic versus natural. This is kind of another twist on it. If you can get it from food and if you can get it from food, that's probably the best way. And then having a good, clean, healthy diet is going to almost always be more valuable than any type of pill that you can take. Yep. And, you know, Adam, you know, he has probably one of the best diets I've seen out of anyone. You know, we've worked together for years now. I go all over the place. And that's, you know, right now I'm actually eating pretty healthy. But then all diet is almost always the first thing to go when I get really stressed. When I'm working nonstop, when I can't take time to go to lunch, I just, you know, skip lunch and then end up having fast food or something like that. And it, it hurts so bad. Um, and it's something that you don't notice until it's way out of whack. And then it's like, why do I feel like shit? Why is everything so much more difficult now? Yeah. And that's one thing I found too, is nootropics, like anything, work a lot better if you're really ironing out and, and focusing on the foundational elements to your health, you're not sleep deprived, you're not eating, you know, dog shit food, you're not, you know, sitting on the couch all day in front of screens with artificial junk lights blasting you. It's like when you start taking care of your biology from a very fundamental level, then these things really can 
just propel you so much further. Cause I've tried other nootropic stacks. Uh, one that I tried and I've, I've noticed a distinct difference where if I'm really well rested, I feel it when I'm not, I don't, um, a product called Qualia, which is just crazy stock with all these different ingredients. And, uh, you know, if I've seen the same with uh, patients and that, you know, if they're just like trying to overcome some sleep debt or trying to get through some jet lag, they don't feel it. But after an eight hour night of sleep and everything else is dialed, they're like, wow, I actually noticed this is working really well for me. So I find that to be pretty interesting as well. Kind of comes back to you can't, can't negate the effects of uh, shitty diets and a poor lifestyle with any pills. So Definitely something I believe with. Uh, coming back to nootropics. So something I've been tinkering with the last couple of years that I absolutely love, and I want to get your opinion on this, is low-dose oral nicotine as a nootropic. And I've never been one to use nicotine. I've actually repulsed by tobacco and cigarettes, and I've never really been one to smoke in my entire life. I, it actually makes me feel nauseous and gives me a headache. Uh, and so I was really kind of reluctant to try this, but you know, all these different people in the health space and biohackers are talking about nicotine gum and these nicotine lozenges. And so I said, all right, let me give it a shot. Let me try a clean piece of, you know, two milligram uh, nicotine gum, which I think a cigarette has somewhere around 10 uh, or 11 milligrams. So a very small amount for people listening in. And I just love the effects, you know, just as like an afternoon pick me up with a short half-life, you know, I absolutely find it to just be a really good potentiator for things like nootropics or things like caffeine, or even aside from those things, just totally enhancing my focus and my energy and my mood in a very subtle, but yet effective way. Uh, have you guys experienced that or tinkered with nicotine? Do you have anything you want to share as far as benefits or downsides with that uh, type of protocol? So I can share my experience, which is completely, it, it's very different from yours. Um, I was a smoker. I smoked from a very young age. I was smoking like a pack a day at 16. Uh, and as a chef, I would smoke, you know, I, I lived in Europe, I lived in Asia, countries where you just, everybody smokes, um, especially in my industry. And I love nicotine. I love it so much. I still, you know, I've quit for years now and I still wish that I could smoke. Um, for me, I have tried lozenges. I've I've tried some of the different types um, of nootropic nicotine that people are, are using now. And it's just something that I love so much that it's hard for me to, that's probably the only thing that I have trouble with taking it responsibly. And it's just because it was so ingrained in me and I was so addicted for so long that, you know, I'll, I'll pick up lozenges, I'll start using them and then I use them every couple of days, then every day, then three times a day. Then my girlfriend's like, what the fuck's going on? Like you, you're, you're, you're getting out of hand and then I'll throw them away and I'll stop. Um, I wish that I could use it the way that you do. It does work very well for me. Just, you know, and maybe I'll try it again a month from now, but um, <laughs> it's something that I've, taken in so much nicotine in my life that I've wired my brain to be addicted to it. And that as soon as I start putting that into my body, it puts me at risk. Yeah. Makes sense. And for everyone listening in, it can be very addictive. I've gone through cycles myself and I'm curious to get your take, uh, Dan, on if someone was using a clean source of oral nicotine, like let's say two milligram pieces of gum that don't have any artificial, you know, sweeteners or aspartame or crap in them. 
and they're using, let's say three, four pieces a day. Uh, so you're maybe getting, let's say eight, let's say eight to 10 milligrams of nicotine spread out throughout the day in a clean source. Would that be problematic long-term? You know, can you speak to some of the downsides with a higher dose of nicotine? Cause I've gone through periods of my own life where that's been the case. And like you, I'm like, catching myself like, okay, I got to back off on this stuff and take a break and reset the receptor sensitivity and all that. Uh, but I was just curious, like if someone was using that form of nicotine in a higher amount, what type of downsides are there? So most of the negative effects of smoking have nothing to do with nicotine. Correct. Yeah. Uh, it's the cancer and, and all of the, the toxins that are in tobacco and, and the way that you smoke it. If you were to use a clean source of nicotine, there's not that much research on the negative effects that something like that would have over the long term, at least not research that I'm aware of. For me, and I can talk about personally, when I'm addicted to nicotine and the level that you're talking about is somebody who's addicted to nicotine, it impacts my patience. I become like very impatient. I get a little, I get annoyed at little things. It's similar to like that stimulant type crash uh, sensitivity. Um, it impacts my sleep. So that was one thing that I noticed when, when I do go off on these nicotine binges, I don't sleep as well. Um, and like to give you an idea of when I was a smoker, uh, I can remember this was when I was working at the Michelin three star in France. I was about 25. I would wake up before I got out of bed, I would light a cigarette and smoke it. I would go take a shower and I would light a cigarette in the shower and smoke it while I'm taking a shower. And it was just so ingrained in me to have that nicotine um, that even if it wasn't, so I, I quit because you know it hurt my lungs, it made it so I was unable to exercise, it started draining my energy. Even if it wasn't for that, I don't think I would want to be that dependent on anything. Sure. No, I agree. And I, I guess I haven't seen many downsides to sleep uh, and I track sleep. I track sleep for a lot of patients and people I work with. And um, just, I think because of the short half-life and you're not using this stuff at 10 PM, it's maybe like a five or 6 PM type of pick me up. Uh, you know, I haven't seen any decreases in sleep at least without, with the you know caveat of no pre-bed you know, usage. Um, giving yourself at least a few hours. But for me personally, when I'm using nicotine, what I would consider a lot, I'll have a piece, you know, after lunch, uh, I might, and talking two milligram uh, piece of gum, uh, I'll have a piece, you know, later afternoon. And then I might have one more piece after dinner. I had a very early dinner. So that's like 5 30 PM. Uh, I would consider that like a good amount of nicotine. And I'm never experienced some of the downsides you, you referenced in terms of impatience or mood or anything like that. And uh, yeah, I guess I'm just curious from a personal standpoint uh, on your, your opinion with like that type of usage, if that's something you should be like cautious of, or if it's something like, dude, that's totally fine. Yeah. I mean, in general, I would just say if, if you're not experiencing any negative effects and there's not that much evidence that that level of nicotine use would cause long-term harm or your risk for, you know, increasing the, the likelihood of cancer or one of those other chronic diseases, um, then if it works for you, like, honestly, I'm jealous. If I could do that and not have the negative consequences that I experience. And that's where, you know, everybody's different. There's some things that I can do that other people can't. Um, and that's just a function of my genetics and my choices in life up until now. Makes sense. Anything you want to share on the topic, Adam, do you have any history with, uh, like a nicotine as a nootropic? 
Nicotine's not my thing. Makes me nauseous. Yeah. Um, you know, I can't even, I can't smoke a cigarette. No. You know, he gives me the lozenges when he has them. Um, I like take it out two minutes later. I start feeling lightheaded. Yeah. So. Yeah. I found the same thing with higher dosage. Like, yeah, you know, when I started, I would use like one milligram and that was like working for me, but anything above that when I first was starting and even now I don't like any high amounts cause I feel the same way I get just don't, I feel like I lose my equilibrium and I feel off. Um, so I think that's definitely a sensitivity thing per, based on the person. Uh, but now, another now, now understanding like the two milligram thing, I'm, I want to, I'm going to experiment with the lower, just like intentionally trying like the one, two milligram at a time. Yeah. Try a uh, Habitrol. That's one of the only nicotine gums I've found that doesn't have artificial sweeteners like, you know, the Nicorette and the other more common brands that contain, you know, like aspartame or, you know, one like sucralose or some of these other compounds that have nothing to do with the nicotine, but are definitely not good for you. Um, one of the other nootropics uh, I use that I'm curious to get your opinion on if you guys have tried it. Uh, and I think it's worthwhile sharing with listeners because I think it's just total game changer, at least for me, uh, that's not commonly categorized uh, as a nootropic is an herb called kratom uh, or kratom or kratom. You know, people pronounce it different ways. It's growing, you know, primarily in Southeast Asia. And it's just a, an herb that's in the coffee family tree, but it's not really a stimulant. A lot of people use it more commonly in higher amounts as an analgesic, so as a painkiller, in order to get off opiates or to manage pain without the use of pharmaceuticals. I've never used it in that context. Um, unfortunately, it's be pain-free and you know, I find higher amounts don't make me feel well, but in small amounts, it just ramps up my energy, my motivation, my drive, my focus. It's one of the best things I've found. I like it even more than any other nootropic I've used um, due to some of, I think the dopaminergic effects. So I've been using it once a week. I really monitor my usage just because anything that makes you feel that good, I can only imagine would be problematic to use daily. Um, But I'm curious if you guys are familiar with this, if you've tried it, if you can speak on some of the benefits or downsides uh, to this plant. Yeah. I mean, so I told you, I tried just about everything. Yeah. I have tried Kratom a number of different times different forms, different strains, colors. Um, it, it definitely has an impact. It's one of the more impactful, um, legal, psychoactive compounds out there. And it is all natural. Um, what I will say, so for me, the negatives outweigh the positives. I don't think I've done it for more than a year now. Uh, and the thing I want to stress is, especially when I'm talking about my personal subjective experience, I don't judge anyone that chooses to take it. I don't think there's anything wrong with taking it. I wish it works for me. If it worked the same as what you're describing, I would be taking it. And that's kind of like exactly when I talk about some of the stronger stimulants, nicotine, it's just what's working for me. And I think that it's really important for people to understand that the response of an individual to these psychoactive uh, compounds is highly dependent on genetics and yeah I mean so I've, I've tried it. it it makes me slightly nauseous I definitely get a boost in mood um, but I also experience a little bit of a crash and I'm not productive so one of one of the things and this is also what's kind of difficult a lot of people will measure how they feel on it and I think that that is really important. Like, hey, I took this. How do I feel? But I think that the 
the higher level impact for me is what's my output. Mm. You know, so th- there's some nootropics where I take it and I don't feel shit. But then I'm like, what the fuck happened today? My to-do list is gone. I'm at inbox zero. I was so productive and I didn't even notice because I was just in this flow state. Um, and Kratom is one where, you know, I, I feel good. Sometimes it's balanced out with a, a mild nausea. But at the end of the day, I don't get more work done. I'm not anywhere like ahead of where I was before. Um, I would definitely be open to trying it again because, you know, things change, maybe try a different strain. Uh, But for me, it's not something that's part of my regular routine. There's, have you tried Phenobot? Yeah, I have uh, Phenobut HCL. I've also tried another form of it. Um, That's more of like a sedative evening thing, right? to like ease anxiety and to boost mood type of thing. Yeah. So that's Kratom is it, it impacts mostly your opioid receptor system. Mm-hmm. The Phenobut is GABA and it, a lot of people use them in similar ways that it, ha- it can have that analgesic effect. It can also be anti-anxiety kind of like social lubricant. Yeah. Uh, that's something that I'll use every once in a while uh, to catch up on sleep it really puts me down and I can sleep for like 12 hours. It has a longer half-life. Um, and this is when you go into kind of, you know, the, the differences. So you mentioned kind of HCL. I personally don't respond well to the HCL, but the free amino acid, the FAA yep. works amazing. And I, I do it sublingual. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something, again, I don't do it often, uh, but it, it really helps, especially around sleep and just easing stress. Yeah. 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 And I've, I've tinkered with it and found that it's definitely effective. I've been, you know, fortunate or you could say fortunate, you could say strategic in that my lifestyle doesn't lend itself to much anxiety or any sleep, you know, issues. So that's why I haven't really implored it to, to much extent, uh, simply because of some of the dependency issues and things I've read on some of these forums of people that started taking it regularly and, you know, got themselves into a little bit of trouble there. But with the the Kratom, I would definitely suggest lower dose. You shouldn't feel any nausea. That means you're taking more than your body can tolerate. Uh, usually like a two gram uh, dose works great for most people, two to three grams. Whereas like to use it as an analgesic, just to give people perspective, you would take anywhere from five to 10 grams. So we're talking a much lower dose. Uh, and I think sourcing is really important because there's not you know, similar to nootropics, there's very little regulation in these things, right? So you, you got to know you're getting a good source. Organa Kratom is one of my favorite brands and I love the green strain. I find the whites can be a little bit of a crash. The red is designed to be more of a, almost like an indica if you're referring it, you know, comparing it to cannabis, but uh, the green I find just keeps you focused, keeps you motivated, keeps you energized in a lower amounts on an empty stomach. Whew, that stuff works like gangbusters for me, fellas. But just thought I'd see your opinion on it. Um, and so switching switching gears from the nootropics, um, I'm curious to hear just a little bit about your business journey. Uh, Adam, I'm hoping you could speak to this because, you know, going from what sounds like more of a employee position, maybe corporate nine to five type thing to starting your own company uh, with formula. I'm curious how your progression was there. And, you know, if you have anything that you know, you'd like to share in terms of things you've learned, things you found uh, along your path that, you know, would be really valuable for individuals who are listening to this, who are working in nine to five, who may not be super happy with where they're at and have aspirations to start their own side hustle or start their own business and kind of go out on their own, but are feeling, you know, that lack of, of 
you know, almost like a gap. They're missing a step. They're missing some things that they, you know, to, to really take action and to get to the, that next level. So I'm not going to sit here and motivate anyone to go start a company. Starting a company is so hard and is for so few people. Um, I think the smartest investors generally will advise against entrepreneurship. It is a long and hard and it is not for the faint of heart. Here's, here are a couple of things that you can look at um, that would indicate that you might want to consider maybe kind of starting a company. If you identify a problem that you can't stop thinking about, a, an issue, a topic that literally keeps you up all night, that like you can't go to sleep at a normal time because you're just so obsessed with this problem, that is an indication that you might want to start a company. Number two, if your idea is so asinine and so out there that you might be the only human being in the world who stands a chance at wanting that of sustaining and doing it, then you might want to start a company. Other than that, really check, check yourself before you start a company. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, wise advice. Yeah, definitely not for the faint of heart. And uh, I, I think that it's like very, it's like cool to be like a founder, you know, like we watch Silicon Valley or we see, or we hear the stories of Elon and Larry and Sergey with Google or Zuck or Jack Dorsey. And we're like, Oh, I want to start a startup. Holy shit. Like it is so difficult. And the 99.99999% of companies that fail and you use all your money and you use all your time and you, you know, wear every relationship thin and you drive yourself batshit trying to like get something off the ground. Um, with that being said, I mean, you're sitting across from two guys who did it multiple times. And so it's very addictive and it's, it's very exciting and it's incredibly satisfying and entertaining. I would say like, you know, our company is growing incredibly fast and our team is growing incredibly fast and where um, people are finding us and subscribing at like really fast levels. And so now it's exciting. And, and but the four years before this were horrendous and we fought all the time and we would be up all night and he still works six or seven days a week and we're doing good. Um, and like, um, there's good parts, there's difficult parts. I would almost exclusively try to talk someone out of it unless they can, unless they're just so passionate and so certain that they know they can like break through, like even look at you, right? Um, you obviously love what you do on such a deep soul level. Um, 
that even if the practice started to fail and even if people stopped coming and even if all of the bad things happened, you just have such a great time waking up every day and learning about health and wellness and talking about it and reading about it that like you're going to sustain whether the money's there or not. Um, I think that we are in that very same place, right? Like we love nootropics. We love the human brain. We love human optimization to such a deep degree that even if there was no money here, we would still come to work every day. Um, and that, that's like a, that's like a really dangerous recipe for someone who has a really good chance in building a big business. And if you don't have that, the ads are, the odds are stacked against you. 100% man. And like you said, even though I love what I do and I get lit up with working with people and, you know, sharing my truth, it, it's still a grind, you know, it's still such a, such a journey and such, you know, so many ups and downs. And, you know, I, I don't even have kids, you know, I'm, I'm like in a very poised position to be putting in long hours and be grinding hard. And, you know, I look at people who are, you know, have a big family and all these other obligations that I don't even have. I'm like, I don't know how they did it, you know, in their shoes, but props to them. So appreciate you sharing that. Cause I wholeheartedly believe with everything you shared. Um, so we didn't even get to a lot of stuff, gentlemen, that I wanted to talk about today, but we're up on time. You know, I definitely want to discuss plant medicine and, you know, a few other rabbit holes with you guys uh, at a future date. So we'll have to have you back on, but appreciate you coming on. I loved it. I learned a lot myself. I'm sure all the listeners are really going to find value in this. And I highly recommend everyone check out Dan and Adam's company, uh, findmyformula.com. And they were kind enough to share a discount code for all of my listeners. So you get uh, 15% off your first uh, purchase. If you use code Ryan at checkout and these pro are products I use and I've tinkered with so many nootropics over the years. I've even used similar or the exact ingredients in their formulas, but the combinations and the formulations they put out uh, just hit different. They work better. So they're obviously well vetted. They put a lot of intention into their sourcing. Highly encourage you to check that out. Findmyformula.com and use code Ryan for a nice discount on your first box. So thank you both for coming on the show. Really appreciate you guys. Of course, man. Thanks. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you found it helpful, please share it along to anyone else you believe it can serve. You can find the show notes and resources we discussed at ryankennedyshow.com. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review for the show. Your feedback helps to support me on my mission to positively impact as many people as possible with this information. Much love, everyone.